We are getting low this Advent season. I, I won't own that. I think you know who will. But um, I do want to start by saying we are going to talk about getting low, getting on the ground level, entering Advent at a meaningful space, getting down and dirty and the gritty. And I would just like to point out, for the first Sunday night of Advent, I am here with you all. Your pastor is here, and it's snowing, and it's cold, and there's lots of crazy... And that is where your other pastor is right now. <laughs> he is in Cabo celebrating his dad's 60th birthday with his family. It's super happy for him. But I have to say, when you're thinking about which of our pastors really gets low, I'd like you to remember this moment. And I'm not bitter at all. I'm super happy for him. But we are, we are happy for Matt. We are in Advent. You guys all know that by now. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the incarnation. God with us. And I think so often during this season, in the church we think a lot, don't we, about preparation and expectation and waiting and the wonder of Advent. And I think that's beautiful. I actually think that's a beautiful part about Advent. I love that piece of Advent. But I do think there's a piece of us that has fallen asleep just a little bit. We've fallen asleep to the deeper meaning, to the ask that is in Advent. And so often we settle, right, for the status quo and we allow ourselves to be vague and even sentimental when we're talking about the coming of Jesus. And part of that is I think we tell the story knowing how the story ends and we get to tell it then from this sort of safe and abstract place with a detached kind of theology. But I think that changes when we're willing to get low. Because when we get low, we get to experience the gospel story from the ground level. And we get to imagine what it looked and felt like to be in those low places of people's ordinary lives. And when we do that, instead of just watching the story, we get to participate in it. So John Pavlovitz, from his book, Low, an honest Advent devotional, he says this. When we place our feet firmly in the dirt, and dust of the everyday within the gospel stories, we see Jesus getting low to meet us there. The spiritual journey is spent largely in the low and shadow places. We are there in that beautiful lowness when we live humbly. We are there when we seek forgiveness. We are there in our grief and suffering. We are there when we kneel in reverent awe. We are there when we spend ourselves on behalf of someone else. And when we place ourselves in these postures, our perspectives change, our attitude toward people shifts, and we become agents of love in a way that actually resembles Jesus. We perpetuate his character through our very lives. And that is our launching pad for this Advent series. Because I think what we've come to believe is that it's in the getting low, in the gritty places that God invites us into. It's there that we truly experience Advent and the love that is behind that. A love that calls upon our lives, a call that asks us to respond. And it's the call and the response that lead us to a full and abundant life. Not to get mixed up with an easy and comfortable life. Because that's not what it's about at all. Quite the contrary. 
And tonight, we're going to be looking at the Annunciation story, what we in the church often know as the Annunciation story. That story when Gabriel, the angel, comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to birth the Son of God. But what we're going to look at is this call on Mary's life and the weight of her response. We are in Luke, and in the beginning of Luke, chapter 1, Luke starts out with the story about the priest Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, happens to be a a distant cousin from Mary. They're older. She's barren. It's not a good thing to be in ancient times. But the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah, and he foretells the birth, the birth of John the Baptist. He tells him, your wife Elizabeth is pregnant. And here's where we pick up the story in Luke 1.26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at that saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I think what's remarkable is how easily we make Mary out to be someone she wasn't and how simple we often make this story, I think it's comfortable for us when we do that. Because the reality is Mary was a young, dark-skinned peasant. And when I say young, like they think between the ages of 12 and just under 15, somewhere in there. And she was born in a time and a place where she had no personal choice at all. She was born into poverty. She couldn't read. She couldn't write. She was probably working from the time she could walk doing domestic chores and carrying water. And in her life in Galilee, the Roman Empire was in charge. It was an occupied territory. And it was a time of uprisings and and great military might. And it's so funny to me that we often, even when you think of the paintings and the pictures and the stories, we think of Mary as this soft and gentle and accommodating girl. But what she actually was was strong, and brave, and faithful, and countercultural. And that's part of the beauty of this whole gospel story, is that God chooses unlikely people in unlikely times 
to carry out his story. And this is a big story. And that's what I meant in the beginning is so often I don't think we embrace the bigness of the story because we often read it so simply. And part of that for me in this story is where this idea that we often skirt right over that Mary was much perplexed by the angel's words and she pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And then she said, let it be with me according to your word. This beautiful count of the angel's visit to Mary had been told in song and poetry and art. But it's too easy for the complexity of this narrative to get lost when we focus on the punchline of the story, on Mary offering herself to the will of God. Because often we sum this story up, right? Like, yeah, she was troubled, she pondered, and then she consented. But there's so much more to this story. There's way more to the girl. There's way more to the story. There's way more to the God that we follow. The incarnation. God with us. That alone shatters every neat category we've ever had of how things are ordered in the world. The most powerful born to the most poor. A virgin gets pregnant. And from our removed far side of the story, somehow that almost seems like a magical twist on a bit of a fairy tale. But when we get low, when we get in the story with Mary, we can see that only for Mary, the marginalized girl from Nazareth, poor and alone with a baffling voice in her ear, it must have been the ultimate like undoing of anything she'd ever known, experienced, believed. Everything in the way she understood the world and God and how it worked must have just been blown apart. Torn apart and turned upside down. And suddenly, her life looked completely different. And this incarnation, I'm telling you, is a messy business. The angel greets her. And when we get low and we enter the story, we see that there's so much more. We tend to move past her perplexed and pondering response. Luke 1.29, in the middle of that story we just read, but she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I think translators over time have made this easier for us easier for us by using words like troubled, which is probably a closer word to the actual meaning than some of the other translations. She was perplexed. She was confused. But the Greek word that's used here is this. And I did take a year and a half of Greek, and I still won't be able to pronounce it. Diatarkathy. Diatarkathy. And what that Greek word means is holy, W-H-O-L-Y, L-L-Y, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy disturbed. Holy disturbed. That packs, I think, a bigger punch than greatly troubled and certainly than perplexed or confused. She was wholly disturbed. And it makes sense then, doesn't it, that the angel's response to her is, don't be afraid, because she was disturbed. And I think part of this for me is that we in the church have made this the Annunciation story, which it is, and that's beautiful, but a 
big part of this story that we skim over the top is that it's a call story. It's a call on Mary's life. Just like David's anointing by Samuel, Moses and the burning bush, Paul on the road to Damascus. It's a call story. And over the years, our understanding of scripture, right, which has been really through the lens of men, has somehow lessened the impact of the call piece and the weight of her response in this story. So Gabriel goes on and he gives more details about the plan and Mary responds with this. How can this be? I'm a virgin. And he tells her about how the Holy Spirit will come and overshadow her and the child she will bear will be holy. And from the angel's unexpected greeting and the promise of conceiving the holy child of God, Mary had a lot to be agitated about. Now, she would have been familiar, right, with the prophets and the expected coming of the Messiah. She would have understood that. But it's safe to say that nothing in her life would have prepared her for this moment. And when that angel visited, in our text tonight, it says she tried to discern some of the translations say pondered. The Greek word for that is dialogosito. Dialogosito. Which means to reckon thoroughly. To consider. So she did that. She reckoned thoroughly. What does this mean? This wasn't a light yes. This is something she wrestled with. And this was first century Israel. And Mary would have been around a lot of pregnant people and childbirth and infants all her life. The baby wasn't the issue. What was at stake here was the conversations, the confrontations, her very life. She was an engaged woman, a single mom. Her life was at risk. And I think about the angel's response to Mary when she asked the question, I'm wondering, did did he actually answer a question? Because I'm wondering if what she might have been asking was how's this going to work out for her? How is she going to do this? And even after yes, when the angel left, I've got to imagine that she didn't go back to sleep or go back to her work or feel this overwhelming sense of peace. Because this was bigger than an announcement. It's Mary's call story. And isn't that the way when we are called by God to step into something? Haven't we all experienced that? Just like Mary. God calls us to do something and it's so different. It's new. Something we never dreamed of. From something that would change our future in a way that we couldn't even imagine. And so often it causes us to feel wholly disturbed. It causes us to reckon thoroughly with this call that God's putting on our life. And it asks us to ask the question, how can this be? How often have we asked God, how can this be? Because it's more than we can understand. 
And so often we don't feel equipped to go to the places that God's calling us to go. And it's often something new, something uncomfortable, and it almost always involves some sort of change. And I have a feeling that Gabriel's words, nothing is impossible with God, while maybe true, don't necessarily provide the comfort that one needs when they're in the middle of the grittiness of their life. But Mary does say yes, doesn't she? And here's what I think what's so cool about this story is that Mary's yes doesn't come out of the fact that the angel explained everything because the angel didn't. And the yes doesn't come because the angel promised it's all going to be good. You're good. It's all going to work out. This is going to be easy. We got you. This is a huge risk for Mary and her yes. But what I think the yes had a lot to do with was the greeting that she was wrestling with from the angel. It had a lot to do with this greeting that caused her to be disturbed and troubled, this greeting that called her into pondering and reckoning. Because when the angel came, he came with words of love, words of love that shaped and claimed her very identity, that let her know who she, who she was. Favored one. God's own. That invitation came with love. God is with you, Mary. And I think that Mary says yes, because her faith was in and out of that love that she understood in that moment. And in those gritty and low places of our everyday, what Mary tells us is that history shifted the moment that angel appeared, the moment that God gave her the invitation, the moment that she struggled and wrestled, the moment that she said yes. She took the risk of saying yes. And when we go low, when we get right, when we get real, that's when we can see the God, call that God puts on us. That's when we can ask that question. What is the ask on me in this moment, in this Christmas season? And it isn't always what we hope or what we want. It is often wholly disturbing, unbelievable even, impractical, scary sometimes, even countercultural. What I do know from lots of years of experience is that when we step into that, even when there's a lot of uncertainty, amazing things always happen. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, when I was um, studying this passage and doing some thinking and praying about it, I kept thinking about my daughter Annie. There's a picture that I want to show. This is Annie on the day that she delivered her little baby Sam. She's, uh, that's on September 23rd, right, Sam? Wasn't that it? And she was going to deliver baby Sam. There she is with her little baby. And then there's one more picture that I threw in just because it's super cute. It really doesn't have anything to do with the, there's Soren meeting baby Sam for the first time. But I've been doing a lot of thinking about Annie's story. A lot of you know, some of you know some of her story because she shared it. 
She's in her third year of medical school, and it took her a long time to get there. And for her, it truly has been something that's been placed in her heart, this call in her heart. But it took her a while to finally get in, and she was 28 when she got into med school. And then she and Jake really felt like this was a good time to have a baby. And Annie did do her due diligence because that's her personality, and she talked to lots of people in the field and professors and others, and pretty much everybody said the same thing. Hey, at the end of the day, there'll never be a good time for you. So if you want a family, you should do it when it's right. And after a lot of thought and a lot of prayer, it felt right. But it's been an amazing thing to watch Annie step into this call of being a mom while she simultaneously is stepping into this call of being a doctor. She had to go back when Sammy was um, five weeks old because she had to get back into her rotations. And it was such a fascinating thing, you guys, to see her make this kind of countercultural choice because she's gotten pushback. She's had people say, you're kidding. You're going to go back that early? And I, as her mom said, boy, did anyone ask Jake that when he went back at two weeks old? But I think what has been so interesting for her on this journey is to feel confidence and a peace, which doesn't mean that it hasn't been hard and challenging, but knowing this was right with God and her and Jake and for their family to do this and the timing there do it, despite the doctors during her surgical rotation when she was seven and eight months pregnant, who um, pushed back on her a little bit for being pregnant during her medical school, despite um, the doctors when she returned that weren't so keen on her uh, pausing to go and pump. And so it's just been an, an interesting journey into the risk of saying yes. And that sometimes when we do things, it's not always the easy thing. And I know that our stories are across the board and these are big things and small things. And you guys have heard the stories about the yes and moving the table from CPC and, and the difficulty of that journey, but the rightness of that journey. And look at the lives that have been impacted because so many of you came with us. And just the other day, I was thinking about some people who weren't thinking they were going to come along. And God asked them. And they said yes, and they've told me stories of how that's changed their life, that they came along with what God was doing in this very uncertain context with some pretty uncertain leaders and uh, just trying to follow Jesus Christ. And it's been an amazing thing. But I think the Advent season is a beautiful time for you to think about what is the ask on you? Where are the yeses that need to be said? And I will, as a side note, say I don't mean a boundaryless yes because Mary didn't have one. She thought and wrestled with it. But I think about some grievers I know that after quite a while finally decided, yep, I'm going to say yes and meet with some other grievers even though it hurts and it's hard. I think about some people that have been struggling with depression or are finally saying, yes, I'm going to name that and I'm going to get help. And I think about those that wrestle with addiction and went to an AA group for the first time. I think about the people in this community that have stepped into some of the racial justice stuff and it's, it's hard because you've got to take a deep look at yourself and your own stuff. I think about the yeses that people have said when they've been asked to stay home in a season when maybe that's not really what they wanted. Or the yeses when we start new businesses 
or we step into a church all by ourselves, or women at the table not knowing anybody, or the yeses when we invite someone, we stretch ourselves and we invite them into our life. This is the season for yes. And I look back and I think about the year that it's been. It's been a hard year for people. There's been losses. There's been pain and suffering. Our world is, feels like it's falling apart with the climate and the divisiveness and the what's truth, what isn't truth. The refugees, the privileged, the homeless. These are the times that we're living in now. It's the same times that Mary lived in. And amid all the chaos and the uncertainty and even the fear, one thing is clear. Our call, just like Mary's, is to stay radically rooted in the story of God. It's a God who intervenes in our lives, in our world, in unlikely ways. But when it happens, things change. And we do that too when we're willing to get low. I think this Christmas reminds us that the ask in our lives, it comes out of love. And it comes out of love and the ask is to be love. That's behind all the calls, right? And that means to love God and love yourself and love your neighbor and love creation. It's all of those things. I think this Advent season is a good one to take up Mary's yes. Because what we know is that this incarnation is a messy business. And any time we dare to follow in Jesus' footsteps to bring something new or good or holy or beautiful into the world, we are stepping into dangerous territory. Illusions of safety or certainty or even comfort are just that. But yet that's the call in our life is to be God bearers in our own small, broken, stumbling ways. And we can look to Mary and we can wonder, how did she do it, that poor, brave, strong girl? And what we can realize is that there is no other way to live in this world than to wake up every morning and to breathe in that spirit of hope and of love and to pray for the strength to do the hard and holy work that God calls us to do every moment and every day. Because what we do know is life is not ultimately about what we want or what we plan, that's for sure. But it is about the yes and the recognition of the weight that that yes carries. John Pavlovitz, in that same devotional, which you might get a copy of if you come to the Advent dinner, says this. When Jesus offers the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he reminds us that as we walk the road of Advent, the invitation is not to escape this place to an elevated heavenly sanctuary somewhere. It is to bring heaven down. Emmanuel means God with us. And that means Jesus getting low. And when Jesus gets low, he meets us wherever we're at. And that's really good news for those of us on the ground.
So my hope, my prayer for us, for this table community, is that we can make the commitment this Christmas season that we can head to those low places. And the beauty of what we have is we get to do that together. Amen? Great. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, we are so grateful that we can gather together on this snowy night and we can start off this Advent season, God, with yes, remembering the wonder of the season and the beauty of waiting for the birth of Jesus. But God, we can remember too that there's so much more to the season, that there's actually an ask. And that ask, God, is to step into those places that you're calling us to. Never for just our sake, but for your sake, for kingdom's sake. So God, I pray that you give this community the courage to take deep looks at ourselves, to take a deep look at us as a community, and with that courage, God, to step out, to step out in faith and do the good work that you have for us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.